This is the Speaker for the Living podcast, exploring the depths of human trafficking, forced labor, and all things related. Hello, welcome to Speaker for the Living. My name is Seth Dare, and I'm here with JJ Genflone. Hello, JJ. Hey, Seth. Hey, listeners. What up? We're going to be talking about an executive order called Enforcing Federal Law with Respect to Transnational Criminal Organizations and Preventing International Trafficking that was released on February 9th. And then we're going to talk about Donald Trump's meeting with anti-trafficking groups on February 23rd, which was among the first, if not the first, words by uh, our president about human trafficking. And I'll start off, though, with a few statements that anti-trafficking groups, including ones that met with him later in the month of February, that they released on February 10th. To start off, ATEST, which is the Alliance to End Slavery and Trafficking, has released a report with recommendations for the new administration called a Presidential Agenda for Abolishing Modern Slavery and Human Trafficking. Relating to the executive order, they say that it rightly recognizes human trafficking as a serious crime. It falls short of the comprehensive approach needed to end modern forms of slavery. A strong law enforcement response is a critical and necessary component of combating human trafficking. However, the framing of this order represents a significant departure from a long-standing victim-centered approach that is critical to successfully eradicating human trafficking and that is shrined in existing law. Similarly, the National Guestworker Alliance say that this is a fundamental policy regression from gains the human traf- or the anti-trafficking movement has made in recent years. It takes the United States government back to a myopic approach focused only on prosecution. It also reflects a particularly distorted immigration enforcement-focused vision, with the racially motivated subtext that traffickers are only foreign nationals and that all human trafficking is transnational. The policy outlined in the order completely ignores root causes and the conditions of vulnerability that allow trafficking to flourish. It makes no mention of the responsibility of corporations whose supply chains profit from forced labor labor, and fails to address victim protections and victim services. So before getting into the text of the executive orders, thoughts, JJ? Yeah, I think, well, there's a couple of things going here. Um, Certainly, Seth and I have both been quite critical uh, in the past, especially in our podcast relating to Trump's previous executive orders. And I think I've made it pretty clear that personally, he was not my pick for leader of the United States. All that being said, I have to give major kudos and points to Trump and his administration for coming out at the beginning of his administration with an anti-human trafficking statement or presentation. We have seen presidents in the past who have run on a platform related to human trafficking. Trump did not. I think it was hardly ever mentioned, if at all, um, while he was running for president. 
So for him to kind of jump out of left field, if you will, with a anti-trafficking initiative is commendable, especially because this does open him up to a fair bit of criticism because Trump in his former career was a real estate developer. He was a businessman. So he has produced items for sale in countries like Mexico that have a history of using exploited labor. He's used foreign workers in some of his projects in Manhattan and, and elsewhere. So by coming out with a anti-human trafficking position, he is opening himself up to a lot of critics who are going to say, okay, well then release your supply chains. I'll sort of release your taxes. But you know, show us your supply chains. Show us that you didn't use any exploited labor. Show us that you didn't use anyone who was trafficked for sort of income generation prior to you becoming the president. Show us that in Ivanka's current lines or in her current like textile business that there's no exploited labor human trafficking. So despite the fact that this may not actually be the best political move for him, unless he has a squeaky clean supply chain, and you and I have talked about how it's pretty impossible to have one of those, he is commendable. He's doing something that has a net benefit for the world, despite the fact that they could reflect very poorly on him and his business interests. What I want to make clear to people who are listening to this is that despite being happy about it being an issue, Seth and I have a lot of reservations about it. And part of the reason why we have so many reservations is because we are coming from a place of consistently reading policy memos and briefs and statements from policymakers or sort of members of the government about human trafficking that end up either A, not having an MAT, or are predicated on an understanding of human trafficking that is very flawed. So what we see a lot of is our administration is going to end modern-day slavery. Fantastic. What do you mean by modern-day slavery? And what it translates into them meaning modern-day slavery is generally sex trafficking and of sex trafficking, sex trafficking of women, and of sex trafficking of women and minor children. And while that is certainly an issue, and I certainly want that eradicated, it leaves out this huge swath of people that, one, are men in sex trafficking, and then two, are the vast majority of people in human trafficking, which are people in the labor sphere. And we've talked about, and we'll probably talk about for forever until human trafficking is God, the issues surrounding why it is that sex trafficking gets the attention that it gets. You know, certainly there is the idea in the United States that sex is a dirty thing that needs to be regulated, and that's reflected in policies in Washington. There is the idea that sex trafficking gets results quickly in terms of combating it. You can actually put down, okay, we raided and rescued 18 people last night, so it's a little bit firmer than labor tra trafficking, which is more expensive to spot and to end. So if you're looking to bring results to your constituents, sex trafficking's a better choice. The idea that women need to be protected is is still quite common, I think is reflected a lot in, in policies that come out of Washington. And then finally, just that when you're going to your donors, even while I think that most people aren't acting from a place of, of cruelty or you know willful, willful ignorance, I think what happens is you get a lot of people who go, 
well, but isn't work a, a good thing in some way, especially in a, in a developing country context? So if you have that, why, why do we need to be so worried? You know, eventually via bootstrapping or just old Keynesian economics, these people will, will, will make it work and it'll be fine. And so that, that I think all is the platform with which Trump released the statement on, you know, whether he or his administration are aware of those pratfalls or not. Well, and to start with the executive order, this executive order was a mix of dealing with transnational criminal organizations, which when we're talking about south of the border, we're talking about cartels, but calling them a TCO is a more accurate explanation of what they do. They usually have multiple lines of illicit business and they do cross borders. And that this said international trafficking rather than human trafficking, at least to me, is notable. So it starts off with a purpose statement, which I'm not going to read in full, but it does mention the, the drug part of it. And then, quote, likewise, the trafficking and smuggling of human beings by transnational criminal groups uh, risks creating a humanitarian crisis. And then that section finishes with a comprehensive and decisive approach is required to dismantle these organized crime syndicates and restore safety for the American people. Part of the reason I mentioned that is how this focuses on the American people. And while I do want my fellow Americans to be safe, I am not only concerned about the American people. I am concerned about people who are trafficked into this country and then are subject in some way to American law and whether we are taking care of people within our own borders with the rule of law. Uh, the other annoying part here is the trafficking and smuggling of human beings. The order is annoying because one could be before the other. Smuggling is a crime, but smuggling is something where somebody chooses to pay a coyote or somebody else to get them across the border, whereas trafficking is a crime inflicted on the person before, during, or after smuggling, and uh, they may not have a choice in the matter. So it isn't encouraging when these two words are seen together. So in the policy section, strengthen enforcement of federal law in order to thwart transnational criminal organizations and subsidiary organizations. And then it mentions, as far as uh, specifics, the illegal smuggling and trafficking of humans, drugs, or other substances, wildlife, and weapons. And I'll just rattle through these because it'll give the impression I want to give here. So ensure that federal law enforcement agencies give a high priority and devote sufficient resources to efforts. Maximize the extent to which all federal agencies share information and coordinate with federal law enforcement agencies. Enhance cooperation with foreign counterparts. Develop strategies under the guidance of the Secretary of State to maximize coordination. Pursue and support additional efforts to prevent the operational success of of transnational criminal organizations. Then it mentions the Interagency Threat Mitigation Working Group, which will do some of the same things. And 
implementation, uh, support, improve, increase, assess, identify, review, issue, uh, issue reports, identify methods for federal agencies, aid in identification, interdiction, and dismantling of transnational criminal organizations. Doesn't mention identifying victims. And another report after 120 days. If I were to summarize this very abstract report, it would be do more, try harder. There. This is the most abstract executive order I have read in this administration. It is really lacking in specifics. It's mentioning the things we already do. But we're talking about the executive branch, who does enforcement. So this is somewhat indicative of what is the executive branch going to focus on? How are they going to enforce? So yes, they say they want to do more. We have no idea what any of these things mean. That's my biggest issue is this is a fairly meaningless order by itself in specifics. I can't extrapolate what approaches they're going to use. Beyond that, the criticisms from the Guest Worker Alliance and ATEST were about this being a prosecution-oriented approach. Well, it certainly appears that way. I will say in defense of this, just because this is prosecution-oriented doesn't mean that there will necessarily not be victim approaches or that there will not be aftercare or any of that, because those laws already exist. Like, we still have T visas for trafficking victims to potentially get currently. That said, it would be a lot more comforting if this did mention a more comprehensive approach. And given that we've had a very prosecution-oriented administration thus far regarding immigration. Uh, I have to wonder how deeply they're thinking about their approach and whether they're going to actually prioritize like identifying victims and also whether they're centering this on cross-border trafficking and not focusing on interior trafficking if it's not related to a TCO. Those are among my questions. What additional questions do you have, JJ? Or do you want to comment on anything I've mentioned? I, well, my, my personal feeling is that it probably is going to be entirely domestic focused, if only because of statements that have been made not by President Trump, but by Ivanka Trump, and then by Liz Cronkin, who is a sex crime victims advocate. She's an author, and she's had a meeting before with the Trump office. And so when Ivanka was talking about making human trafficking sort of a part of her father's administration and a focus, she said it's a horrible issue in the U.S. and internationally, and that it's a problem of women and girls who are trafficked into America and then sexually exploited for profit. And this particular article will link so you can kind of read to make sure that I'm not just sort of picking and choosing comments. But one of the things in particular is that this is all predicated on this view of that 
Ivanka Trump is bringing women's issues into the White House. This is a women's issue, which tells me, especially that there's this comment of women and girls who are trafficked into America, that this is a concern of this administration. The concern is not of labor trafficking. It's of female sex trafficking. And of that female sex trafficking, it's primarily domestic. So it's this idea that rapists and pimps and traffickers are bringing women into the country or stealing American women and using them for profit via sex trafficking. And I think that that is shored up by Liz Crocken's comments that since Donald Trump took office on January 20th, there have been an unprecedented number of sexual predators involved in child sex trafficking rings in the United States be arrested. Now, that is not true. I'm not going to go into, in this particular podcast, sort of the fake news, if you will, or conspiracy theories that tend to pop up around human trafficking a lot. But instead, what we're seeing are a lot of crackdowns recently, um, as we always do at the beginning of the year when funding is present, uh, anti-prostitution stinks done by police departments across the U.S. It is certainly not in any way new, nor is it a sort of that, that President Trump is coming out to be anti-pedophiles. It's, it's more of a, these are things that tend to happen in the month of January because that's when the funding is available for these police departments to do prostitution-related stings. And while they're doing those prostitution-related things, they may come across victims of human trafficking, that is true, and they certainly may come across victims of child sex trafficking, but <laughs> that's not what the intention of these are for, and this is in no way an unprecedented number. In, in fact, it's, it's pretty normal. Finally, when he made his comments in the actual remarks themselves, that it's getting worse, to quote, I'm quoting from Trump here, it's getting worse and it's happening in the United States in addition to the rest of the world, but it's happening in the United States, which is terrible. And that's more than anything what makes me go, okay, so it's, we have another statement from a politician about how we're going to end slavery, but what we really mean is, okay, so we're going to end female sex trafficking. And what that really, though, means, because of the way things are constituted in the U.S., we're ending prostitution. And by ending, we're just driving it further underground, thus increasing the chances for there to be human trafficking. <laughs> Insert meme of Kurt the Frog sipping tea. But that's none of my business. Uh, but so this is this is an issue that, that I have with it, is that Trump may be making it clear today that his administration will focus on ending the absolutely horrific practice of human trafficking. But I don't see that having as many teeth as it should because... It's not really human trafficking that they're worried about ending. It's a very particular type of trafficking. Well, in the meeting that Donald Trump had with anti-trafficking groups, no. I, we don't know the content of that meeting. I am thrilled that they actually were able to talk to him. And considering how many intersectional 
issues relating to immigration and law enforcement also relate to human trafficking. I am glad to see him think about it, at least in that meeting, if not more, and that he was there. Because I want this to be part of conversations. I want Capitol Hill to think about it. We, we had our UN ambassador make a statement uh, today or yesterday relating to the End It movement, Bob Corker's campaign. And so that was encouraging. So this needs to be part of the conversation. And the fact that Donald Trump made a statement means there's actually something to leverage and to hold the administration accountable to and to continue to educate and to point out to people whether they are for or against Trump and say hey this has been said we can try to build on this so that that's the positive and I'm thankful that they took the time but back to the statement so he specifically in the beginning of his statement said I want to thank Dinah and Ivanka and everybody for working so hard to set this up. It's been so important to them, and I want to make it clear that my administration will focus on ending the absolutely horrific practice of human trafficking. The fact that he credited other people with it being concerned, with it being their concerned, doesn't really encourage me that this is an issue for him, being that he's given little indication that it's a big concern. Mm -hmm. But... We've had so many politicians make so many lovely statements on human trafficking that it's not vastly different from other non-teeth-oriented statements people have made or non-funding-oriented statements that people have made in Washington. But he did say like, he'll direct the Department of Justice and Homeland and other agencies to have a role, who that have a role in preventing human trafficking, take a hard look at the resources and personnel. They're devoting a lot, but we're going to be devoting more. We shall see. Actually, if that actually happened, that would be amazing. It, well, it would be... I, I would very happily eat my hat if that were a thing that happened. You know, I don't want Trump and his administration... I don't want them to fail. I don't want human trafficking to get worse because it would further my own sort of views about what political party is better. Like, I don't, I don't want that. What I want is for people who are currently in an incredibly terrible situation where they're not treated like human beings to be treated well and better. And if that means that I will have to issue a public apology to Donald Trump and, you know, tell him that I love his hair, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Provided that there is sort of a continuation of no, we actually, we are going to fight human trafficking. Here's how we're going to do it. And I think it would be quite smart of his administration, considering the flack or sort of commentary he's gotten and his administration has gotten from things like Human Rights Watch to, to come out very firmly and say, no, we're going to support anti-human trafficking or abolition efforts because we believe in the fundamental dignity of people within the United States. You know, that would be, 
I think very helpful to the party at this point that I think is trying to kind of figure out where it fits in. But beyond that... Well, and there is the potential. If we're going to throw a lot more resources at security and have more officers that we could potentially address cross-trafficking better because of the amount of resources. It does depend on training. Trafficking is not normal. Like somebody is crossed and you catch them and it's an extra step to identify whether they're actually a victim and training can help in that. But there is that potential, and that would be encouraging, and we encourage the Trump administration to do that. Like, hey, if you're going to focus on it, maybe you can lessen human trafficking coming from Mexico and the southern border in general. And that would be great, and we support that. But please also think about things like Aftercare, identifying victims, making sure that trafficking victims can still get the T visa. Or expanding the T visa, so to expand the availability of allowing people to stay within the United States if they've been victims of a crime. Dropping some of the the limitations, because right now I think it sits around 6,000 is the cap per year, so upping that cap available so that we don't have people being sent back to Mexico or South America who are dealing with anti-sort of cartel-related violence and things of that nature. So there's certainly a way, I think, not, not to pull marketing 101, but to sort of switch the narrative up while simultaneously doing a thing that's a really good thing just to do. You know, I I think that the Republican Party is kind of struggling at the moment to find where it fits in in the world now, what it's supposed to be. And I think that a abolition, you know, a return to the the founding of the party, that abolition movement, might be quite helpful for it. Um, Does that... Is that going to happen, though? I don't know. Well, and I was recently in a session with Colorado Legal Services, and they walked us through a few case studies based on real occurrences. One of them was somebody who came over with a work visa into a restaurant and then was arguably in a trafficking situation. Another person was in a mom-and-pop restaurant and was undocumented or illegal and was arguably in a trafficking situation. These were not trans-criminal organizations. These were restaurants, small restaurants. So trafficking is not just something that bad people from outside the country bring in. It's not something that just organized crime is involved in. Sometimes it's what American citizens do to other people. Sometimes it's just random business owners that are guilty of it. So if we're going to eliminate it, we're not going to eliminate it by just dealing with trans-criminal organizations. We could 
potentially limit it and greatly reduce it, but we're not going to eliminate it. Yes. And on that note, we will have a follow-up episode sometime soon on immigrant detention and the resurgence of private prisons. But because it's relevant to the point I'm making right now, I am going to talk about Towards Justice media release uh, in association with a couple law offices, where for the first time in history, a federal court has allowed a class of immigrant detainees, over 50,000 of them, to jointly proceed with forced labor claims against the country's second largest private prison provider. The specific detention center was run by GEO in Aurora, Colorado, and this is going back to 2004. And I'll quote, these individuals, some of whom were found to legally reside in this country after months in detention, alleged that they were forced to clean the detention center without paying under threat of solitary confinement. This practice allowed GEO to reduce labor costs at the Aurora facility, where it employs just one custodian to maintain a detention center that houses up to 1,500 people at a time. Now, if they were told to do this and were threatened, then that would count as coercion. So this is potentially a human trafficking case involving a prison who didn't self-regulate, or I could say self-police well enough, and thus potentially trafficked prisoners. But in this case, these were people who were in that fuzzy immigrant detention because the immigrant status and uh, being held in detention is very fuzzy, I can say from experience. It's not as specifically related. I knew somebody who was, it's a crazy case, who was held in detention and the, it's one day after another where they don't know whether they're going to be deported the next day. So this is not just, again, a problem with trans criminal organizations. This specific case is talking about an immigrant detention facility. So this is the intersection of all that we're talking about. And if we want to eliminate trafficking, then we have to realize that sometimes, well, Government contractors are going to be involved. But I will say, this is pending. This is not done. Yeah. It's all really depressing, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. We started out with something positive, and then we very quickly turned. It turned. Like a lot of things. Well, and this gets to be sad, because... We had talked about how private prisons were going to be phased out of the federal system. Mm -hmm. And President Trump has reversed that. And private prisons, it's said that they're more efficient. But as this and some other cases, there's this other case, which I'll post a link to, relating to sanitation being inadequate for months at a private prison. This thing with efficiency, if you're going to be efficient, then there's certain things you still need to do. And if efficiency means you treat people as less human to save money, that's bad. I'm all for getting rid of regulations that don't achieve their purpose and are just putting on unnecessary cost for just maybe a feel-good thing that 
are not actually helping people or finding better regulations that are more effective. But with something like private prisons, I mean, there's laws on the books. Like, if this is true, if, if this prison did this, they are violating laws. So where does law enforcement beginning and end? We, we're talking about rule of law. We don't enforce the rule of law adequately for trafficking in the United States. We don't enforce it well enough for wage theft because we don't have the federal inspection within the DOL, DOL to, to do that. So anti-trafficking cases with workers, at least in Colorado, we have groups like Colorado Legal Services that bring civil suits where they're coming from civil lawsuits, not from police or FBI investigations. So I find the whole we care about rule of law thing a little hollow because it's always selective. And if we're not going to be consistent in how we're talking about, say, trafficking and dealing with it in the interior and better regulating private prisons and applying more resources toward dealing with labor trafficking in the interior for people who are not just illegal immigrants, then I call it hollow. And I call these rule of law things inconsistent. It's not addressing all the issues. And there's a part of me that can just accept the realism again, the pragmatic that we're not always going to do all that we say. We're not always going to enforce all of our laws. But then I'm admitting that we're doing that. Yes. That we're going to police certain communities in different ways. We're going to maybe not arrest people equally. That because of limited resources, because of different power dynamics, that that's just the way it is. But I'm calling that out. That That's the way it is. And that's not changing in this administration. We're still being inc- inconsistent and selective in how we're applying the rule of law and enforcement. Well said, But if you want to improve it, then please talk more with these anti-trafficking groups and we're happy to give our input on that. If our government wants to do better, then please do better. And, and be honest about it with your constituents about why it is you're doing the things that you're doing. And if you think, if you're going to make wide sweeping statements, like solve is a big word, but we're going to fix this problem of slavery, then actually be ready to fix the problem of slavery. And be ready for all the uncomfortable commentary that surrounds the reality of trying to fix a problem like slavery. And that's not just on President Trump and the administration. That's on our government as a whole. As much yeah, as I, was, yeah, as much as we, we, we appreciate Bob Corker, they call their campaign the "End It" movement. I'm glad they want to end it. I'm glad for the three resources thrown at it. But you're not doing enough to end it. Bam. But we are thankful. We we are. <laughs> that's a bit negative. <laughs> I mean, I think we talked about this in our Thanks Obama podcast. This idea of human trafficking is not an easily solved thing. It's not even an easy... 
easily studied thing or easily talked about thing. So if you are going to make political strides or advancements based in part on your commentary that human trafficking is terrible and you need to solve it, then commit 100% to it and be ready to have that conversation. If you're not willing to commit to it, then just run on an anti-prostitution form. We'll support you for that. You don't have to be committed to just one. All right. And with that, we will end this episode. Talking about laws is a bit challenging because they can relate to legal terminology and this particular statement and President Trump's statement all were subject to interpretation once the implementation strategy comes out might be a little clear what they actually intend to do and if they do that then we will report on it that's one of the things that i think seth and i struggle with here is that we want to present to you guys information that's as current as humanly possible as fast as it comes out with the best look possible at it but when you're trying to do a deep dive into research and sort of the methodology or the reasoning behind why people say what they say really it takes a while to see how this pans out so if trump's administration decides that they're going to devote millions or billions of dollars tomorrow to anti-trafficking efforts then seth and i will be here with an update to this that's very different from if they cut funding to something like pepfar so that puts us sort of a unique position that we're constantly going to be reformulating our position um, in relation to not just U.S., but also sort of international events and human trafficking that are happening now in current time. So if something comes up that you feel that we've missed or something comes up that's sort of a rapid fire change that you would really like us to cover, please contact us here at the website, speakerforthaliving.com or on twitter through our email there's a variety of ways you can get in contact with us that's listed below but please just drop us a little line and say hey this is the thing that i care about we don't feel like you gave adequate attention to it or any attention at all all right with that until next time all right bye everybody be safe this has been speaker for the living for extended notes and sources visit our website at speakerfortheliving.com.